it's Thanksgiving week, which means the most highly anticipated movies of the year are coming out here pretty soon. Um, welcome back to the Do Like Apples podcast. I'm Drew Went, co-host with Billy Rock. And on today's episode, we're getting you ready for uh, some of the biggest movies to come out um, between Thanksgiving and the end of the year. So um, we take you through 16 upcoming movies that we are pretty excited about. Uh, so listen in and uh, get yourself ready for what's coming. Uh, before we get get into the, to that preview, we, we chatted a little bit about this new movie called The Holdovers, uh, which came out in theaters a couple weeks ago. We were lucky enough to see the writer-director, Alexander Payne, um, give a Q&A on that movie uh, here at the St. Louis Film Festival. So that was a fun experience. We chatted a little bit about that and a little bit about The Holdovers before getting getting into that uh, you know winter, winter movie preview. So thanks for listening, everybody, and welcome to the Do You Like Apples podcast. Do you like apples? Do you like apples? Yeah, I'm not sure. It's been a strong year so far. I know that. But I would say... I'm a little bit more into this winter season of in terms of my anticipation for a more consistent slate, like the the top dogs with um, killers of the flower moon and the killer really got me uh, psyched for this season, but it felt like a, a, a small window that I think mm. might not be better than this larger Christmas winter slate type thing. So you're just, there's just bangers, hopefully bangers all the way through till the end of the year, because a lot right. of our big directors are still still to come. And uh, I think I think it's going to end strong And my anticipation. It's pretty strong all the way through. Yeah, I hope so. I think, well, nothing's going to top Barbenheimer, obviously, like towards the end of this right. year. Like that was such a mm-hmm. once in a blue moon thing. But then, yeah, after Barbenheimer this year in July, it was like August was pretty quiet with with, you know, you know, hyped new releases September mm-hmm. same was pretty quiet and then yeah you're right October started to pick up with some big names returning um, big stars and big directors back and then yeah now that the strikes are over it feels like we're kind of back into full swing of of these new releases so yeah let, let's let's get into the episode now um, I think it's a, a good time to to talk about uh, the winter movie slate which is what we're going to be doing mm-hmm. today um, but first, uh, l- let's go ahead and introduce the Do you Like Apples podcast. I'm Drew Went, one of your co-hosts, and here with me is Billy Rock, my co-host. And we are uh, today talking about the winter movies from basically Thanksgiving through the end of the year. So uh, that's typically a stretch of the year that a lot of movies are packed into a short window. So there's a lot to talk about here, so we're going to get into it here in a minute. But um, before that, I think we're going to chat a little bit about a movie that came out uh, a couple weeks ago called The Holdovers uh, with Paul Giamatti, Alexander Payne movie uh, that Billy and I had the chance to see. Um, uh, and we, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Before we do that, however, I think we do have to issue a response to uh, our frenemies over at the Cineboys podcast. Um, I said the the deal like Apple Cineboys wars have begun again. Um, for those who don't know, they, they they've been uh, there are friends that we like to uh, to go back and forth with sometimes, and uh, basically a 
a kind of a, a kind of a fight came up over David Fincher's The Killer, which uh, they had a podcast about. Um, you took issue with with something that they said about the movie, and then they talked about uh, they called us out on their podcast a little bit. So, Bill, do you have any you want to issue in a statement or anything uh, before we get into the meat of the episode today? Uh, yes, I do, Drew. Thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> like about a press conference. Yeah, I, right. They uh, When they released their episode of The Killer, I, I turned it on sheepishly hoping that they would mention it. Um, but our episode, I think, probably must have come out the same day that uh, they were recording, maybe, because uh, I think it came out Thursday. Their episode and ours came out Wednesday. So there was a quick turnaround of response by them. Uh, I don't think we necessarily indicated besides maybe a comment on Kenny's Instagram video that set me off to the John Wick comparison that we would even (laughs) bring it up in general. But I almost want to, this might turn into a little bit of friendly fire here, Drew, because I was re-listening to our episode. Did you mean to plant John Wick in your conversation, like in your talking point? Like, did you were you bringing out that point just because you knew I was going to react to it? Cause we didn't talk about, we didn't uh, talk about it before, but, but I, I yeah. knew that you were, you had, <laughs> I saw that you had messaged him about that on, on, I think Instagram or, or Twitter. And I was yeah. like, basically Kenny called the killer, David Fincher's, uh, David Fincher's John wick movie. Right. And so I, I kind of tossed that out to see if you would take the bait. And unfortunately you did. <laughs> and uh, we got into it a little bit about about their their take. And I think after hearing their their conversation, I think I understand a little more what what he's what he's going for. Like mm-hmm. if David Fincher were to make John Wick type movie, this would kind of look like it. So I understand a little bit. I I don't really care about like the John Wick part of it. I I think from their conversation, I and I'm wondering if a lot of people who watch The Killer, who just fire up The Killer on Netflix maybe think the same i think i think they a lot of people might think like there's a lot of like big brands big brand names in the movie amazon mcdonald's starbucks i think a lot of people might just think oh that's just product placement like they just took money from those big brands because they needed it to make the movie blah 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 i don't think that's what fincher was going for at all i think he's mm-hmm. i think he's making a commentary on um how our society is structured now and how it's all about convenience and it's all contactless and anonymous. And this is like, if a, if a psychopathic killer were to move through our society, this is what it would look like. He would use these tools, Amazon and McDonald's are a tool for him in the movie. Um, And I think that was the point of that. So I don't think it was just like, if you see product placement, like obvious product placement in a movie, it's usually pretty positive or maybe it's incongruous with the character or the story, but here I felt like it was very interwoven with this character of the killer. So I think they, I think they just missed that. And I, that, that was the part of the conversation that irked me the most more than the John Wick part. I kind of agree. Cause uh, that, that was their first uh, uh, big point. Uh, their first big thing. That's the theme of their episode, big things to get uh, people to watch the, uh, to watch the movie and, uh, or to kind of, warn about the movie and yeah product placement was one of them and right before they got i think before they even got into their big things they were talking about how 
I think it was Mob said he didn't love Fight Club. And he was like, oh, maybe that's a hot take. And then immediately went into complaining about product placement. I'm like, well, Mob, of course you didn't like Fight Club. Like, were you just watching all of Fight Club? Just being like, too much product placement. What is it doing in this movie? Like, Fincher pretty consistently has this type of critique in his career uh, in almost all of his movies to a certain extent. Um, I think the strongest, like most obvious examples are now in The Killer and Fight Club. Um, I remember watching it and not really thinking so much about um, like the meaning behind it the first time of all the product placement. I was just like, this is hilarious. Like it, it felt so woven into the character right away. Um, like the Smiths being the only soundtrack in the entire movie mm-hmm. is a really funny choice. Um, one really great memes uh, just uh, bringing together 500 days of summer and uh, the killer on like Instagram or Twitter, a lot of people were combining those two uh, scenes together, and I thought that was pretty magnificent oh, yeah. and a, yeah. a, a good a, uh, a good joke to play. Um, but also just right away with the WeWork uh, environment, kind of playing into the COVID time a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, straight into McDonald's, and yeah, as soon as I heard McDonald's just be so prominently called out in this movie, I was like, all right, I think. I'm starting to see the trajectory of how Fincher is going to use product placement in this movie. And it didn't bother me at all. So um, I, I understand maybe the uh, how it would be jarring. But Mob, you even called out Fight Club and you still got duped by the product placement in this movie. So I think uh, that's where we got to... Uh, we, I'm going to let Kenny off the hook for this one. I think there was a little bit of misunderstanding uh with the instagram video uh i i heard john wick uh this is david fincher's john wick and i i saw red and i went blind for a little mm-hmm. bit i yeah. think kenny called me unhinged or uh, <laughs> off my rocker at some point uh so he i did. think when the, <laughs> when i when i got called out i was like uh maybe i should should uh should back off a little bit because i've only <laughs> there's only one time in my life that i can remember fully just snapping and this is not one of them i would say i didn't fully snap oh good but i was yeah. at a, i was at a softball game and I was pitching, uh, just slow pitch, uh, old man, slow pitch softball. And somehow there was a play at third. I swipe tagged at the guy. I missed by a mile, but the umpire still called the runner out. And the uh, the guy was walking off uh, back to his dugout. And he's like, hey, pitch, uh, did you tag me? And I was just trying to sell. I'm like, yeah, I tagged you, dude. And he goes, all right, the next time I'm up to bat, the ball's coming at your head. And I just saw red immediately. Like I was like the – the shark and jaws just was like went after him and just was like motherfucker this motherfucker that Damn. and i had and i had no concept of that i really said any of it and then i got back to the dugout and i just sat down i'm like i hated that i reacted that way my entire baseball career i never snapped like that but somehow slow pitch softball set me off and now i guess the other thing that sets me off is the john wick franchise so yeah, i kind of had flashbacks to that time in my life that i didn't love the feeling so uh Wild. I'm not. I'm not just gonna fully recant my rant, uh, but <laughs> I'm gonna transition it to Mob a little bit more. I'm like Mob, have some watching comprehension comprehension with this movie next time you watch it, bud, because uh, we, we didn't yep. fully understand the outrage that you guys had with the product placement. It, it, it seemed misguided and definitely off off uh, off the mark a little bit. I love the idea of the, of those being the two times that you would bring up uh, just <laughs> going crazy on somebody. Oh, man. Um, 
Yeah, no, I know it is. It is a good conversation, though, like this, like product placement versus, you know, in the killer versus, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a commentary, because I mean, something we didn't really get into in our, in our review of, of the movie last week, which I, I think I wish we would have, because it is like a it's key part of the movie. It's not like an explicit stated theme, but it's definitely mm-hmm. in the movie. So um, worth worth discussing. But yeah, maybe we'll have to maybe we'll have to have the Cineboys on at some point on the on our pod mm-hmm. and and. Uh, hash it out or, or an extended olive branch or whatever, however we want to want to approach it. But, uh, but it's all, all good fun. Uh, we love those guys. And um, yeah, I think we can, we can probably move on from this spat at this point yeah. now that we've issued I, our statement, unless they come back at us. I think uh, my favorite part of them beginning to call me out in their episode was uh, mob was he went on a little bit of a rant about uh, how I was overreacting. And I, he very distinctly like, it's like, it's David Fincher's John Wick. No shit. No, duh. And he was just like so passionate that he's about to cuss me out. And then he corrected himself to, to no duh. And I was like, Oh, they're getting into this now. They, I set off the whole crew on that episode, which was uh, Kenny, Kevin and mob. And it was so funny to listen to. And uh, yeah, it, well it, it is all good. It's all good fun. But this one went a little bit further uh, than our earlier spats that we've had. And I, I enjoyed seeing us get a little bit more into it because this rivalry is fun, but it's for real. And it's for uh, real. It won't die. The sin- no, it won't die. No, we won't let it happen. I'll, I'll put a, a link to their, uh, just to be nice. I'll put a link to their, their episode and in, in the show notes of, of this one and, and people mm-hmm. can listen and, and uh, listen in on the feud uh, if they want to, but <laughs> all right, let's, let's move on to the episode. Um, first, we wanted to talk, briefly about Alexander Payne's The Holdovers, which came out, um, I think it's nationwide now in theaters. And this is a um, kind of a classic Alexander Payne movie. Um, it's it's a, you know, it's a dramedy um, about uh, Paul Giamatti plays a teacher in the 70s at this boys school who's uh, staying over Christmas break and, um, you know, watching some kids over Christmas break. And uh, he is a, a curm- curmudgeon and, um it's kind of all about his character and, and, and the, the people around him. And, um, it, it's really a delightful movie. And I think, uh, Billy and I were uh, lucky enough to see it at, uh, the St. Louis film festival, which mm-hmm. they actually had Alexander Payne, the director there for a Q and a, which was awesome to see him live and, uh, hear him answer questions about the movie and about his career and, um, very cool night. Um, you know, being in St. Louis, we don't get, you know, access to big names like that, uh, you know, big filmmakers like that all the time. So it was, was pretty cool. So I just wanted to get your kind of, we haven't talked about it too much yet. Um, that was mm-hmm. last week that that um, screening was. So I wanted to get your your take on the movie real quick and then on the experience watching Pain, talk about it. It was really magnificent um, seeing Alexander Payne in person. Um, this is something that St. Louis International Film Festival does from time to time, which I didn't know about. Um, I guess uh, they gave Payne a kind of a lifetime achievement award. And um, what did they say? They said Paul Schrader got it one year and a few other really notable names. So I think they uh, do it every once in a while with a, a director kind of of that type of caliber. Not quite a household name, but obviously very respected and an Oscar winner. So it was just incredible to have him in the High Point Theater, which is uh, – for anybody not from St. Louis, uh, a really iconic theater in St. Louis, old school, um, and our Cinema St. Louis just took over the ownership and 
made it kind of the hub for the entire St. Louis International Film Festival. So it was just fun to bring that credibility back into such a, a cool theater. Um, but there's very rare when you kind of see someone like Alexander Payne. Uh, I don't know if I expected him to kind of be maybe disappointing live, but he was just so magnetic and really seemingly friendly, but really thoughtful with his responses. And even when he just had a question where he's maybe he's been asked over and over again, or um, just didn't have a direct answer at that time, he said no to a couple of questions, which I thought was like really honest. And he was just like, no. And then you kind of pivot to something else about the movie and make it relate somewhat. And he wasn't rude about it at all. I just thought um, he handled uh, the praise that we, the entire audience kind of had for this movie. Um, I think this one's going to be a holiday staple for sure. Uh, just in my rotation. Yeah. Um, I had the same kind of similar feeling with a much more poppy movie, but with a happiest season, the Christian Stewart mm. uh, movie that came out a few years ago where I was just like, okay, instant in- instantly in my holiday ro- rotation. I, I find uh, the holdovers to probably definitely not definitely going to be my top 10. And I, I know it might be in conversation as of right now for, my top movie of the year. I just thought this was magnificent all the way through just such a, it's an easy watch while being just emotional in a non, uh, uh, manipulated way. It just all felt organic. Each character was fully realized all the performances from supporting characters to the three main leads were all on point. And I really, really just enjoyed the whole experience and for sure the Alexander Payne being there probably puts it higher in my head but i had a just a great time watching the holdovers and watching it with a crowd was awesome too because Mm -hmm. yeah full house that's a movie that i don't really see with like a full house anymore like Mm -hmm. a because those movies don't typically sell out theaters very much and then um you know just seeing it you know seven o'clock on a on a on a weeknight with a full packed house was awesome you know like mm-hmm. the laughs were were pretty big for us for some of the moments in the movie but yeah mm-hmm. i agree it's going to be a really terrific um script really terrific kind of um period piece it's you know set in the 70s and in, in new england and um giamatti i i just love paul giamatti he's mm-hmm. he's always so great and i just i love when there's a movie that really spotlights his strengths and what he does so well um yeah, it, it could be like kind of a melancholy Christmas classic, I think. I think it's that mm-hmm. good. Like it could go down as as one of those. So um, yeah, very, very good movie. I for sure, I mean, I'd recommend it to pretty much anybody. It's like the kind of movie mm-hmm. that you, a lot of people can get a lot out of. So, um, and I think it'll for sure be in the Oscar conversation this year. So people should check it out uh, if you're interested at all. The Holdovers uh, in theaters now. Um all right, so let's uh, let's move on to the winter movie preview. Um, we did this uh, a couple months ago for the fall. We did a fall movie preview. We talked about I think fourteen movies coming out, and we broke them out into seven different categories, two two per category. Um, we're doing something similar here. Um, I think we have six categories, and we have you know two to four movies in each category. So instead of going chronologically, you know like next weekend through the end of the year, what's coming out. We're just going to go, you know, the movies we want to talk about that we're most interested in um, and broke them out into categories. The six are uh, six categories are big budget Christmas, 
Second one is called Did You Read the Book? Third one is called Romantic Fantasies. Fourth one is called Actors Acting. Fifth one is called Auteur Biopics. And sixth one is called Best Picture Hopefuls. So basically, um, we'll, I'll, we'll just give, you know, kind of the premise, um, you know, director cast, release date, is it theaters or streaming, that kind of thing. Then we'll both give kind of our one to 10 hype level. So how are we feeling? Like one being could care less about this movie, 10 being I am so excited. I'm losing my mind. Um, so that's kind of the scale there. So let's kick it off. First category is called Big Budget Christmas. And first one I have on here is December 15th coming out uh, in theaters, uh, a movie that uh, people have had some fun with online. And, um, you know, I haven't heard a single thing about if this movie, if people like this movie yet. I'm assuming critics have seen it um, early, but I don't know. It doesn't come out for almost another month. It's Wonka. Uh, Timothy Chalamet playing. um, It's the origin story of Willy Wonka. Um, From what I understand, it's a musical. However, the trailer seems to have hidden that fact. Uh, I don't know if there's any of the music in the trailer, which is weird, but um, yeah, it's, it's an odd choice for Chalamet and, uh, but it's definitely, you know, it's a bigger movie and I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to see if it's going to hit at all, or if it's just going to be kind of an unintentional, you know, uh, kind of bomb. So uh, where are you on, on uh, your hype level on, on Wonka? This whole category is tough. Uh, this whole category reminds me of that scene in Moneyball where uh, all the scouts that uh, Billy Bean uh, has working for him have spent all of the season and some of the off season coming up with this huge list on what the uh, players to talk about. And Billy Bean just looks at the board and he's just like, I don't want to talk about any of them. <laughs> this is kind of how I feel about this type, this category. And thankfully Wonka is of this list that we'll go through. I think the one I am most anticipating, um, I'll give it around a six on the hype rating. Okay. Um, one, just cause Timothy Chalamet, I think generally has really good taste. So hopefully it's not just a full cash grab, but also there's, I would say about a 30% chance that this thing is just a huge iconic miss. Um, Cats level as miss. soon as I saw, as soon as I saw Hugh Grant as a CGI Oompa Loompa. I was like, Oh yeah. shit, what is going on here? Yeah. I had a debate about when I saw the trailer, I just kind of was like, are they just, I'm, su- I'm surprised there wasn't a conversation about uh, the CGI to show a little person. Um, but then I was arguing about that with a friend. He's like, I don't know if Oompa Loompas are little people. I'm like, that's a good point. Like, so which like, is it better that those, that stereotype right. went away or is it like a, just a whole group of actors didn't get as much of a chance. That's huh. not like, I just like, it, it, it played a trick in my mind seeing him as a CGI Oompa Loompa. And I just don't understand that choice at all. Um, it just, it seems so distracting in the moment and uh, characters that couldn't speak in the first movie in the original at all, uh, all of a sudden uh, are getting Hugh Grant iconic voice. It just, it all seems so odd and, Timothy Chalamet seems to be going for it, but also really wooden. Um, in the trailer, yeah. he just it it, it didn't trailer. seem like he was fully fully in it, and just the decision to uh, try to remake Gene Wilder's iconic character is right. just a bold choice. It's like 
one of the most recognizable performances in kind of Hollywood big budget history. Um, it just, it, it seems like maybe Timothy Chalamet could be that type of actor that could pull it off. But first glance, it just seems uh, intriguing, but just something seems off and I'm not quite sure what is off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know that this, uh, my hype level is probably about a four for this one. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued enough to see how they're going to handle the, you know, a, a Willy Wonka origin story, which is something that as far as I know, no one asked for. Um, mm-hmm. But this movie has a $125 million budget. And the only <laughs> two things that have me somewhat optimistic are, yeah, like you said, Chalamet has pretty good taste. And I think he, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully he wouldn't just cash in on, on anything. Um, but the director is the director of Paddington, um, which a lot of people love those yeah. Paddington movies. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's a chance that, that it's, that it's decent. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so that's Wonka. Second one in this category, big budget Christmas is uh, coming out the a few days before Christmas, Aquaman and the lost kingdom. This is the, sequel to Aquaman, uh, the Jason Momoa DC movie, which came out uh, 2018. And um, James Wan is back directing. Uh, Patrick Wilson, Amber Heard, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Nicole Kidman are all all in this. Um, It's a big movie, $205 million budget. It's going to be, you know, DC is kind of in a weird place right now, as really all the superhero franchises are. Um, So, you know, I'll, I'll... be honest, I I watched the trailer for this movie and I was reminded that I haven't seen the first Aquaman. So my <laughs> my hype level is probably like a three for this one, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I have no history with with Aquaman. But and J- I'm kind of just like a little meh about Jason Momoa. So uh, how about how about you on on this one? Yeah, I give it a three too. Uh, it just I haven't seen the first one either, actually. Um, so this is clearly not for us. And yeah. just. I am superhero for fatigued to the max at the moment. So, and especially for a movie that was made at a time where it was probably still operating on connecting different storylines. But now by all accounts, it seems there's just a whole different DC universe now. So this movie just doesn't matter. Um, it just, I, I, I'm a big fan of James Wan. So there, there's something, yeah, that's something, uh, to latch on to, uh, He's made some really fantastic horror movies and just has done a great job of working within that blockbuster big budget space. And some and Aquaman has some uh, huge fans. It seems like it at least sets itself apart uh, in style, maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, it just I don't know it, it. It just it's Aquaman. Let's let's not get too hyped about it. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, next one we have is also coming out on December 22nd. This one's not in theaters, though. It's straight to Netflix. Um, it's a Zack Snyder movie. It's uh, it's called, and I want to get this title right because this title kind of cracks me up. The full title is Rebel Moon, M-Dash, Part 1, O-N-E, uh, Part 1, colon, A Child of Fire. That's the entire title for this <laughs> original movie. This is a an original Snyder uh, kind of space opera epic um, starring not a lot of like massive names like Charlie Hunnam is in this and Diman Hansu and um, there's some names, some faces you'll recognize, but nobody's like massive, like leading this movie. It's really, it's a Zack Snyder movie. And um, 
I am not, I, I don't like Snyder's movies really at all. So I'm, I'll probably go, I will say at least it's a, you know, an original create. I do have to hand it to Snyder. It's an original creation. Mm-hmm. It's something that he's clearly put a lot of uh, effort and time into. And, you know, I don't, maybe I, it's the first movie and I don't know how many there's going to be probably at least like two or three, but um, I will probably give it a three in my hype, hype rating just to, just cause I'm just cause I want to give him the benefit of the doubt about, uh, about this, about this movie. How, where are you? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go, I'll go up to a five. Um, okay. There's always a part of me that is open to a Zack Snyder movie uh, just cause he, he's got some, uh, not like huge hits for me, but enough hits to where um, I, I enjoy seeing a director like him who has huge vision all the time. And I would say about 70% of the time misses, but I find his Dawn of the Dead to be really entertaining. Uh, Man of Steel, I kind of, uh, fight for um yeah you do i'm actually a really big fan of that movie and uh watchmen is is fun for its own craziness so um Mm -hmm. i i find his ambition admirable and but in terms of what this movie looks like from the trailer and the poster and everything um part of me is like what does that cider have on netflix that he's getting this budget out of nowhere um and seemingly promised many movies, but um, Zack Snyder's Justice League kind of broke HBO Max a little bit um, in like a really good way. Just brought probably a lot of business to them out of nowhere. So maybe that momentum carries over to um, over to Netflix and he's got a, he's got a pretty significant hive. So I think there's, yeah, uh, if it's good, it, it could create like a really fun atmosphere for a, a blockbuster season, but I don't expect it to be that great. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be at a five. I'm I'm open to having a good time with it. He does bring a a group of fans that I'm sure that's what Netflix is thinking. Like we give him a lot of money, he's going to have people like his fans are going to watch this no matter what and and go crazy mm-hmm. about it. So that's probably their thinking there uh, in funding these extremely expensive Snyder epics. Um, Okay, so the last one in this category, in, in the big budget Christmas category, is coming out on Christmas. This is uh, The Color Purple. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a um, musical based on uh, the novel The Color Purple. Um, I believe this... So so Spielberg made a movie in the 80s about an adaptation of The Color Purple. Then I think they did a stage musical of the of the novel. And then now they're doing a movie of the musical. So, um, another, another, another take on the, the color purple. I have not seen Spielberg's color purple actually. So I'm not actually all that familiar mm-hmm. with the story. Um, but this one has, uh, Traja P Henson, Fantasia Barino, uh, who was on American Idol. Like one of the first American, American Idol seasons is the star. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this, I believe. Um, but yeah, a pretty good, pretty decent cast. Coleman Domingo, Corey Hawkins, um, so yeah, uh, I'm still trying to decide. I, I actually haven't even watched the trailer for this, which I, which I meant to do before we recorded, but I, I just kind of forgot about it, but, um, this is going to be a big play. It's like a Warner brothers, you know, big musical going to be like an Oscar play. I think it's, I think the first reactions of the movie are just coming out now. And from what I can tell, it's been pretty positive. I don't know if it's, hmm. if it's, um, 
over the moon or just, you know, early reactions tend to be a little bit skewed toward positive. So we'll see. But um, where, where are you on this one? I'm at a four. Um, I'm pretty lukewarm on the idea. Um, I, I kind of felt, I know this one's not being directed by Spielberg, but I, I felt similar to this movie when West Side Story was coming out. Um, I was a little bit higher on it because it was uh, obviously Spielberg. So uh, it has that type of reputation and clout to it, but <clears throat> I wasn't all that excited, but I was pretty blown away by that movie. So uh, if the color purple can kind of subvert my ex- expectations a little bit there, then maybe I'll have a good time. Cause I I'm a sucker for a musical. A lot of the time it can carry a pretty mediocre movie a long way, like tick, 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 tick boom that came out few years ago with Andrew Garfield. That was Lin-Manuel Miranda's uh, directorial debut, I believe. Uh, yeah. Mediocre movie, but had enough tunes that I've kind of re-listened to the soundtrack a lot. So uh, mm-hmm. the, the the color purple maybe will have that staying power a little bit. But overall, I don't expect much. Um, and we'll see if it, if it lands at all. I, do you know if this one's like going straight to streaming or is it in theater, like a full theatrical run i I think it's full theatrical run yeah i think it's going to be um i think they're going to promote the heck out of this thing and Mm -hmm. um yeah i I, i'm probably at a four as well i think uh musicals take a little bit more to to break through for me just because i don't necessarily anticipate them very much um but maybe yeah maybe it could be an interesting uh take on the story the musical part of it so all right that's our first category um Second category is called Did You Read the Book? And this is these are two movies that, that are um, based on um, popular uh, novels that, uh, that people have liked, and now they're getting a film adaptation. Um, the first one is called Eileen. This is out uh, December 1st. Um, looks like it's expanding wide in theaters on December 8th, so a week later. Hmm. Um this is a kind of psychological thriller um, starring uh, your girl, Thomas and McKenzie and Anne Hathaway um, are kind of the two lead leads of this. And I don't know that much about the story. Um, basically, uh, Wikipedia at least says it's set in 1960s Boston. Film trails a parasitic relationship between two women working at a juvenile detention facility. Um, hmm. I've heard this novel's pretty good, um, but I, you know, the movie uh we'll see uh where where are you on this one i'm high on this one uh i think as you hinted at thomas and mckenzie is just a rock star i find her to be one of her best living young actresses and her being paired up with anne hathaway is fascinating because i think Hmm. that could be an interesting trajectory for thomas and mckenzie's career um, she had kind of her first potential breakout with uh, Last Night in Soho. Um, mm-hmm. She broke out of, like officially in the movie Leave No Trace, which I find to be one of the best movies of this Leave century. Trace. And also uh, she gives one of the most amazing breakout performances for me. Um, so yeah, and uh, who's directing this one again? Um, I was moving over to Letterboxd. William tonight. Oldroyd, which I'm not yes. familiar with him, actually. I'm not either, but I remember he did Lady Macbeth with Florence Pugh, and that was kind of her breakout as well. Okay, so okay. I'm a 
interested to see uh, if maybe he can push Thomas and McKenzie into a, a, a different lane with this movie. Cause even though she's had amazing performances, she's hasn't really been in a thriller last night. So was more of a um, definitely a thriller, but I would say more horror territory, whereas this one seems a lot more psychological. So um, I'm just really excited. And just maybe if Anne Hathaway could get into the Oscar conversation, that's always fun. I really love her. And she's kind of had a, not a renaissance and like performances. She hasn't had like an amazing run or anything, but uh, the public eye seems to have turned more positive on her. She, I guess, gave off bad vibes, which I never really understood. Um, But it seems like people are kind of seeing her sincerity and her craft and are jumping on board a little bit more, which is amazing. So, because she's generally awesome at everything. Yeah. What, what has she been up to lately? I feel like she's been, she did a a little bit low um, key. Yeah, what what was the um uh gray um let's do it let's do a quick IMDB dive on yeah. on Hathaway. Uh okay who's so the, who's the ad Astra director? Oh uh, James Gray. Uh Armageddon gray, Time, yes. she was in that last year. Locked Down, which was oh, that was like a COVID movie. Oh uh, yeah, I didn't watch it was that. like set during COVID times. Yeah, I didn't I didn't didn't watch that. The Witches, which was it's a Robert Zemeckis movie that was like oh, yeah. trashed. Oof. No one, no one liked that. That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. The last thing he wanted was a Netflix movie that no one liked. Um, that mm-hmm. she was in. She has. She's had a tough run here. Uh, yeah. Dark Waters, which she wasn't the star of. That's the. Um, uh, Mark Ruffalo Todd movie. Haynes, yeah. yeah, Todd mm-hmm. Haynes movie. That that uh, she wasn't. She was a supporting in that, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's. Uh, hasn't had a great run lately, so no. she could use like a. Uh, I guess Armageddon Time people people really like that one, but uh, other than that, the last like few years have not been great Hathaway stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe it's start of a kind of a, a new stage for her. I hope so. So that's Eileen. I'm probably you said you were an eight for that one on your hype yeah. level. Mm-hmm. I'm probably I'll go seven. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm always down for a psychological thriller. Even okay, so the second one in this category we're gonna do is uh, "Leave the World Behind." This is a Netflix film, uh, also a, a psychological thriller, um, coming out December eighth on Netflix. And this one is starring Julia Roberts, uh, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, Kevin Bacon is in this. Um, this is uh, written and directed by Sam Esmail, who made Mr. Robot. Uh, he's done a lot of a lot of good TV, uh, not as much film but uh seems like he you know wants to be a a big time director and i think this is probably a step toward that uh if it if it goes well haven't heard much about this movie um from people who've Mm. seen it i've I've seen the trailer obviously um and i you know i think it's a fairly mysterious story um i don't know much about the the novel uh it was a 2020 novel by ruman alam um so I know I know people like the novel a lot, but I don't know much about the, the movie. So um, I'm probably I'll probably go seven on this one as well, just because of the mystery and kind of the thriller aspect has me interested. And so does the cast. I, I love this cast. Uh, some of my favorite actors in this movie. Um, so do you, you feel the same? Yeah, I'm excited for this one. It's uh, I would say about a seven, six or seven for this one. Um, there's something about Sam Esmail that I, uh, I've never seen Mr. Robot. So this is all completely unfounded. And I think it's a little bit of the fact that maybe, uh, 
Rami Malek just hasn't aged as well as I uh, as I thought he would after while Mr. Robot was happening and he was kind of breaking out as an actor. Um, so I think it's all conflating in my head a little bit, but the cast and the premise of this movie and just it being adapted from a, a book that seems to um, be very mysterious and seemingly uh, ripe to be shown as a movie. Um, from what I understand, it's like a post-apocalyptic or uh, mysterious apocalyptic type of setting all in one location. Um, the, the trailer did just come out and it's kind of weird that there's not much push behind it uh, either for the performances or the writing or the directing. Um, but yeah, this it's one, a Julia Roberts movie. It's like, it feels like it should be bigger. You know, I know exactly. it's Netflix and those movies tend to feel smaller, but mm-hmm. yeah. But something with the trailer that did you ever see the movie, the one I love? Yeah. With, uh, I love Mark Duplass. This kind of felt yeah. like that type of, mystery to me from what i can tell mm-hmm. it's gonna all be in kind of this beautiful location it seems like maybe friends are uh meeting up for a vacation and it's kind of long lost uh relationships that are being uh, brought together for the first time in a while it's it's all kind of hush hush it seems the plot of the movie because there's mm-hmm. probably some pretty big twists and turns but um just the vibe and kind of the ethereal dreamlike nature of it reminded me of a little bit of the one I love. So um, if it's as good as that movie, I found that movie super fun. So yeah. if it's a kind of a good mixture or something like that, I'd be very interested and hopefully we'll end up really liking it. So yeah, I would say like a six or seven. Yeah. I was just reading here. Um, I think, I think I'm a, a seven as well. I was just reading here. Uh, apparently uh, originally it was supposed to be Julia Roberts and Denzel. Yeah. Uh, which would be a, a re- reunion for uh, the Pelican Brief mm-hmm. uh, fans, all you all you Pelican Brief heads out there. Um, that would have been that would have been awesome. I mean, Mahershala Ali is a pretty great replacement for Denzel, though. So mm-hmm. um, I, I have high hopes. I, I think it'll be at the very least an interesting mystery um, kind of thriller. So you just went through a whole conversation about this movie and didn't even mention your boy Ethan. So I know, yeah, he he seems like it's hard to tell how, how big his part is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, this, Ethan Hawke is, is my guy um, forever and always. As long as he's in it more than he is in knives out. That was the most yeah. confusing decision by him. Yeah. And just he, when he shows up in that movie, it's really awesome. And he's hilarious and just goofy. And you're like, Oh, he's going for it. And then right. doesn't show up again. It was just the weirdest aspect of that I loved- movie. I love Nice Out too, but mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed that he was only in literally one scene because I was yeah. hoping he was going to be in like the rest of the movie. But exactly. Um, okay, so that is uh, did you read the book uh, category? Next one is called romantic fantasies, and these, this this pairing is a little, a little odder in that they're very mm-hmm. different types of movies and they're going for very different types of uh, aims, but. Um, the first one is uh, called All of Us Strangers. This is coming out uh, December 22nd. Um, it's kind of a, uh, it's described as a romantic fantasy. Uh, it's based on a novel uh, from 1987. Um, and from what I understand, the story is about a a guy who's uh, coming out to, coming out as gay to his dead parents somehow. So it's like a ghost story mixed with a, with a love story. Um, so I'm not, not entirely sure about the, you know, where the story is going to go, but 
Um, I'm, I'm pretty interested in this. I, the cast is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew Scott, um, most people might know as hot priest from, from Fleabag season two, Paul Meskel is in this, Jamie Bell, Claire Foy, great cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Andrew Hay is the director, um, who's done uh, weekend, uh, lean on Pete 45 years or, or some of his, uh, most recent movies. So, um, where are you on all of us strangers? Uh, this was the last movie playing at the St. Louis International Film Festival, which ended today. And I was thinking about going. It was at 4 p.m. today, but um, I, I, for some reason, didn't go. Uh, just kind of, uh, kind of regretting it now because it, it's, it's. I would say about a nine. Um, oh wow! This yeah. story seems really fascinating, and mainly the two leads. I thought Paul Mescal, uh movie last year, which uh, name I'm blanking on him right now, uh, but he was just absolutely after sun. After Sun was just magnificent in that movie. And uh, I hadn't seen him work in really anything else. And he really stuck out to me. And then uh, anytime Andrew Scott's able to jump to um, the big screen, especially after Fleabag, which is kind of a monumental TV performance, uh, really yeah, iconic kind sure. of instantly as soon as it came out. Um, one, because it's so well written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And two, it is... He's just a perfect cast in that movie mm. and, or in that TV show. And I'm excited to see them bounce off of each other. They seem kind of like similar actors and uh, yeah. And, and a romantic fantasy, it just seems like a really interesting vehicle for two actors to potentially get into the Oscar conversation. <clears throat> yeah. I think the, the strength of the cast for me has it probably about an eight. Mm -hmm. Um I'm I'm pretty excited, and and we'll see if it's going to be in the Oscar conversation. I, it definitely seems like some of the performances could be could be in in contention. So uh, more to come on all of us strangers uh, coming out the same day. Another romantic fantasy. This one is uh, in the classic rom com mold. Um, we don't get a ton of these anymore that are that are like you know with up and coming stars and and marketed like crazy, but. We're getting one in December. It's called Anyone But You. It's a rom-com uh, starring Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. Um, you're you're dri still driving the Glenn Powell uh, mm -hmm. bandwagon uh, bus. So how are you feeling? The, the the teaser for this movie came out and was roundly mocked on online um, <laughs> for how poorly it was it was edited together and. Mm -hmm uh how how and then a trailer came out and the trailer was i think better and it kind of probably gave a little more sense of this is kind of it, it's a seems like a classic like two people who don't like each other have to pretend they're in love mm -hmm. uh and then things happen and i would be shocked if they uh fell in love at the end but maybe it'll happen um <laughs> so where are you how are you feeling about anyone but you uh when the teaser came out i was like Oh my God, these guys have no chemistry. What is happening? Uh oh. If I thought this movie would have anything going for it, it's just instant chemistry. Uh, two of the most exciting and attractive young actors we have going right now. So right. it just seems like a perfect match. And there was those rumors that maybe some type of relationship started on set, mm -hmm. um, which is always interesting when a, a vehicle like this for two young upcoming stars are uh, is coming out. Um, but that teaser was rough and brilliantly mocked by Nathan Fielder and Emma Stone. It was, Amazing. I was so confused when it came out and I, it didn't even click. I was just like, why are they acting this way for the curse? Like what, what is going on? And then someone 
put the screenshots next to each other. Like, oh, I know what they're doing. But the teaser came out the day before their teaser. Yeah. So how they, did they turn, they that, turn that, around that around so, around so fast? Like yeah. maybe they got wind of like, I don't know if similar production companies are yeah. producing like, the Were they shown a cut of that anyone but you promo <laughs> yeah, and they're like, before we... it came out? Like that happened so fast. And how did they, if it was before, how did they know that it was going to be so widely mocked to where people would even understand it at all? It was just... The magic of Nathan Fielder. For real. It just, it never ends. But um, yeah, I, I'm a, I would just by the op- optics around it. I initially was probably an eight. I'm skeptical, man. Now I, I'm, a, I'm at a, I'm going to go one below eight. I'm going to go to seven. It's a, even with my boy, Glenn mm-hmm. Helm in this movie, it just, something about it feels off and just kind of low budget in a way I didn't expect. Um mm. So yeah, it just their teaser was so like sitcom goofy. Like it was introducing like a Disney Channel original. It was just it was so weird. I just couldn't put my finger on what why did they decide to go that route? And it, it's kind of soured me on it a little bit. I'd say yeah, I'd say I'm a probably a six or a seven. I'll go six. I think I think it it, it will probably end up just being a totally fine rom com. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun in the moment and then maybe you'll forget about it but um i'm i'm definitely in, i'm mo- mostly interested to see the chemistry between sydney sweeney and glenn powell mm-hmm. you know was are the rumors between the two of them totally made up to sell this movie is it real is it uh something all dip altogether different i'm i'm most interested in that i think even more than you know the seemingly very uh overdone storyline mm-hmm. uh, that we've seen a million times before so um yeah i do you think that's money will make do you think this movie will make much money it seems like Uh, those those both both of those stars are like on the rise but they're not like totally established like true blue a-list stars yet so feels like a little early but maybe it could be the movie that blasts them into a-list stardom i don't know and i can't tell if like the weird viral teaser is going to like make it more likely that it's going to make money or people I'm like, I'm not paying money for that. I'm just mm-hmm. not quite sure what the effects, if it's going to affect anything at all. Um, yeah. I kind of would have originally thought it might make like hopefully 50 to 70 at its high end, but that seems like too much of a reach at this point based on, I just. For rom-coms these days. It, yeah. yeah it just, they don't seem to make so I would that say, much if we're just like think of opening weekend, like maybe $10 million opening weekend, uh, that would maybe show some sign of it having some staying power, but I have, I have no idea. It, I, it's just a movie. I thought I had like a perfect sense of, I'm just completely thrown off on now. And I just have no idea what to predict or what to think about it. And, and all of that. So we'll, we'll see. All right, that is uh, Romantic Fantasies, the category. The next category is called Actors Acting. Um, this this one is a little more for the kind of uh, awards-friendly movies that may not be in the Best Picture conversation, but will probably be in the, the Best Actor, Best Actress, Supporting Actor, Actress conversation. Um, so the first one is coming out on, on Netflix, actually, on December 1st, called May-December. Uh, this is Todd Haynes' latest film. Todd Haynes has made uh, a bunch of great movies. Mm-hmm. Carol, um, Far From Heaven, Dark Waters, which we just talked about. Um, and 
this is starring uh, Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, two of our two of our great actresses, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the story is, from what I can tell, is uh, following um, Natalie Portman's playing an actress who's traveling to meet uh, and study kind of a, a controversial woman who uh, I believe uh, married uh, basically a tabloid story about how she. Um, married someone way younger than her. Um, and, uh, basically Natalie Portman studying her for a part. Um, so I'm pretty psyched for this one. Um, the trailer, I think I, I tried not to watch too much about it. Um, just so I can be surprised by, by it going in. Um, and I, I like both these actresses. I think Todd Haynes is a pretty great filmmaker. So I'm probably a nine on this one. Um, so, Pretty pretty hyped. Where where are you? I would say I'm I'm at a nine as well. Um, I haven't seen any footage from this movie besides the still that like has been the only thing that a lot of people had seen about this movie. For it, it was almost like in the Killers of the Flower Moon category yeah, of like right. it's the only thing we've seen for so long. Like why is nothing yeah. else coming out about this movie? And then finally they're trying to hype it up a little bit. Um, yeah, but I find Todd Hayes to be super fascinating director. Um, and this one seems to be Todd Haynes would never make like a broad comedy, but this seems to be pretty out there and obvious with its comedy. Um, and maybe it's just going to be super uh, like a kind of a spoof satire type of thing. It, it, it seems like it might be, that might be where the lane it's, it's going and almost for sure two nominations from Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, I would imagine kind of Todd Haynes has a, you would think so. uh, some trouble getting himself nominated, but generally he's able to get actors nominated pretty consistently. So um, I'm excited yeah. to see uh, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman in that conversation, even though they both have won Oscars. It's, it's always nice to see them propped up in, in, in the limelight again. Yeah. Todd Haynes has only been nominated for screenplay for far from heaven. That's his mm-hmm. only nomination, but yeah, he's had, uh, Julianne Moore uh, for Far From Heaven, Kate Blanchett for Carol, Kate Blanchett for I'm Not There, and Rooney Mara for Carol, all nominated for their performances mm-hmm. in his movies. So, yeah, you're right. I think, I think the performances will almost certainly be in the conversation, but we'll see if the movie itself will break through. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to see mm-hmm. that one. Second one in this category is The Iron Claw. This is uh, coming out December 22nd in theaters. Um, this is based on the, the Von Erich family, which is a, a family of professional wrestlers. And this is a pretty, uh, cast of, uh, beefcakes, beefcakes, if you will, <laughs> uh, Zach Efron, Jeremy Allen White, um, Harris Dickinson, uh, most known for uh, triangle sadness. Um, and yeah, it's, it's looks like, a from what, from what I can tell, it's kind of a, a tough guy movie that's also seems to be kind of a, a prestigious kind of emotional uh, journey as well. Um, I don't know the story of this family and I kind of don't want to going in just to kind of be you know taken on a journey with the, with the story, but um, trying to avoid looking at the Wikipedia page right now too much to, right. so I don't learn anything. I don't want to know. I know it's not, it's not really a spoiler, but cause it's mm-hmm. real life, but um, yeah. Wh- how are you feeling about the iron claw? I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm at it, Nate. Uh, uh, Jeremy Allen White just moving on up into star yeah. territory is really Love exciting. Uh, 
I haven't watched all of the bear yet, but I'm slowly making my way through it. And he's just magnificent. And I'm, uh, was a fan of him and shameless and obviously the bear. And then this could be his huge break. And I've been hoping Zach Efron would have a vehicle like this for so long. Um, you could tell he was really trying for it. Uh, kind of with the, uh, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer doc, not Jeffrey oh, Dahmer. Yeah. Uh, who did he play? No, that was that was, was it, or wasn't that Jeff? No, Dahmer was Evan Peters. Uh, I'm thinking of Ted Ted Bundy, the Ted, Ted Bundy, Bundy doc, yes. uh, yeah. movie, which I thought he was actually really good in. Um, it it just didn't fully hit uh, quality wise to pick up any buzz, but I think he gives one of the best comedic performances of the 21st century with Neighbors. I find him so unbelievably oh, yeah. funny in that He's movie. Great in Neighbors, uh, like yeah. just a, amazing combo of slapstick and super dry which i just didn't know he had that full range in him and i think and he's kind of gone through a tragedy recently where supposedly he almost died from like a pretty severe jaw injury or something like that so is that true yeah so his appearance just is a lot different these days shooting shooting this movie or no not this movie no no no. i think it was something separate when he was kind of in his uh like kind of reality TV phase. I think it had happened, maybe something with that or just a random accident. I'm not sure, but he just, yeah, he looks very different now. And I think that's kind of been tabloidy for him, which has been, would be so frustrating, obviously. So I, I hope this allows him to kind of transition into just a new point of his career that um, I think he's going to be great in this part. I'm really excited to see him be, uh, he's kind of playing with his own persona. It seems while also bringing a little bit more weight, to what he can do when it, when you were describing the movie, which I knew about, it kind of sounds like a dude rock tragedy or something like that. It was just mm. like, I think a lot of the yeah. early parts of this movie is going to be dude rock, but I think there's a sad dudes rock movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's might be significant tragedy in this movie from what <laughs> the little about this true story that I know. So uh, we'll see how it goes, but I, I am excited. And I, the first reactions have been really good. I thought the trailer was really bad. Um, so it made me a little bit nervous. Um, mm. It just, had like a big 70s, 80s soundtrack to it. I'm like, this is just not the vibe that I thought it was going to have. And I hope it's a little bit more subtle with what it's doing in the actual movie, but we'll see. So I, I am excited about it. Yeah, Zach Efron uh, getting actual like real buzz for mm-hmm. uh, an Oscar nomination, which most people would not expect to hear Oscar nominee Zach right. Efron, but uh, we we maybe we're headed there. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, and I, I love I love 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 the bear. Yeah. So all about Jeremy Allen White, uh, his come up in the, in the movies as well as TV. So and, and I'm on the record saying that Zac Efron should have been nominated for Seventeen again. So yes, um, yes, you you're one of Seventeen again's biggest <laughs> admirers. Um, oh, the late great Matthew Perry, exactly. R.I.P. R.I.P. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, fun movie. He's great in it. Showed a lot of his uh, superstar potential outside of the High School Musical movies. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up about 17 again for the rest of the podcast. You'll do the 17 and again solo pod pretty soon. <laughs> Absolutely. When, when I when I go out for the when the when the baby is born and I'm out mm-hmm. for a little while, you can that's when you can do that. Yeah. Expect solo pods about click and 17 again while yeah. Drew is out. It's going to be this click. So many okay. listeners are going to be tuning in for yeah. that. So. <laughs> Uh, we're, we'll go two hours minimum and yeah uh, for each pod and we'll, we'll see how it goes i'm really gonna stretch myself listeners through the roof on those ones <laughs> all right so that is uh 
the actors acting category. Um, expect to potentially see some Oscar nomina- nominations for the performances there. Um, third, uh, fifth category is auteur biopics and biopics, biopics. I, I never know how to say that. I, I say biopics. Um, biopics sounds better. Yeah. Auteur biopics. Um, these are three movies coming from three of our most, I'd say, uh, singular directors right now. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them older, older than, and some of them younger, but, um, they're all th- about three historical figures. And the first one is, uh, Napoleon, which is a Ridley Scott movie coming out on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving week, probably out in theaters. Uh, if you're listening to this right now already, um, and Joaquin Phoenix playing Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, Vanessa Kirby playing uh, his wife, Josephine. And, uh, yeah, I have been very excited for this um, with knowing that really Scott makes some clunkers sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've still been pretty psyched about it. Um, the reviews came in and they were basically exactly what I thought they would be. Um, <laughs> basically, people like, this sucks. Like, this isn't historical. This isn't accurate. And then other people like, this is awesome. This is classic, like, kind of ridiculous Ridley Scott production. Um and so, which still makes me excited to see it, even though oh, yeah. I know I'm probably not walking into a masterpiece, but, mm-hmm. um, how, how, how do you feel? Yeah. I'm at, I'm at a seven. Um, I love the last duel. It yeah. did a really good job of being big in a great way that, uh, if really Scott is executing, uh, it, it's just really magnetic and really powerful. Uh, but it, it did seem like a step below like gladiator or um or robin hood even for scale so it it wasn't quite as big as some of his other ones whereas this one just seems huge all the way through and a weird selling point for this movie is uh it i love paths of glory one because paths of glory is great but one of the reasons why i like it is because it's kirk douglas playing a playing a french general and they don't try to have an accent at all and mm-hmm. Walking Phoenix is doing that, at least in the trailer. And he's not even doing a British accent. He's just being Joaquin. Yeah. And that was confusing when I saw the trailer. But I was like, hey, maybe this, this is an adaptation. Don't get, Let's not get bogged down in the how accurate like a, a accent needs to be for something like that. So mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting choice. And based on how some of the reviews are describing this movie, um, might be playing up how this is fully a reimagining of Napoleon almost like it's still gonna be set in France. It's not like it's moving it to America or anything, but I just, you can tell Ridley's interest is not full accuracy here. And Mm -hmm. that makes me more excited about it rather than what I thought was going to be just a straight retelling of Napoleon. So um, it it simultaneously made me a little bit more skeptical and also more excited. Yeah, I don't want a documentary about Napoleon. Like, right. I mean, I would watch a documentary about Napoleon, <laughs> but if I'm go- going into this big budget epic, I want it to be Ridley Scott and Joaquin Phoenix's take on Napoleon, right? Uh, more than you know a straight retelling. So, um, yeah, I, I agree. That was a selling point for me was Joaquin in the trailer just being like a mumbling <laughs> dictator, right? Uh, and and not like I'm the great Napoleon Bonaparte. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I I I just I love that that Joaquin has the balls to do that for sure. Um, I think I'm a seven as well. Um, probably, you know, I'll, 
I'm going to do my best to see it in theaters because I think it should be seen in theaters. So um, next one in this category is Maestro. This is uh, coming out December 20th on Netflix. And um, this is Bradley Cooper's follow-up to A Star is Born. Um, he's playing Leonard Bernstein, the famous composer, um, and Carrie Mulligan is playing his wife. And those are two of the biggest names in the movie. And I think those two are both getting Oscar buzz for the performances. Um, uh, I don't know if this covers Leonard Bernstein's entire life or just a part of it, but um, seems like your classic, like very uh, well-made expensive um, prestige mm-hmm. uh, kind of biopic. And, but I, I think Cooper always, you know, I think he has big aspirations and big ambitions and I think he's going to bring, his own spin to it. And the early word on the Carrie Mulligan performance is that it's outstanding. So mm-hmm. um, how are you feeling about, about Maestro and, and Bradley Cooper? I'm at a, I'm at an eight. I'm, I'm close yeah, to a nine. Uh, I think a star is born is the best. Would you consider it a blockbuster? It kind of turned into one, but it wasn't. Yeah. Maybe it it's made cool. it, it made a lot of money. I, I, yeah, I think immediately it didn't make a lot of money, but it made over the long haul. I think it made it ended up making good money. Right. So if we are putting in that blockbuster category, I, I would just it's one of the more iconic like signals of what the power of Hollywood is in the 21st century. You're just like kind of making fun of it because it's Bradley Cooper trying to remake a movie that's been remade four times, casting Lady Gaga in the lead, um, but he just fully nailed it. And you're like, holy shit, like this guy's a director, yeah. like capital D director. Yeah. And it is really exciting to see him uh, plant his flag in kind of a, a, another, not another famous figure, a famous figure in, uh, in this movie. And I, I was taken aback by the nose prosthetic that he has on in some of the stills. Uh, I understand uh, we're, we're trying to be accurate to the real life person, but that was just jarring to see, Bradley Cooper, who I would describe having a big nose, just having even a bigger prosthetic on. You're just like, ah, don't love that necessarily. Uh, let's hopefully it's a little bit more seamless in the actual movie and not too distracting. Uh, it's kind of how I felt with like the last duel with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in their get up. I'm like, what's going on here, guys? Why are we doing this? Um, but it's besides that, I just I, I have full confidence in Bradley Cooper being able to land this one and I'm not sure what the Oscars are going to do with it. it, If it lands really well, Um, are they going to hold out on Bradley Cooper because he has a lot left uh, Mm. to show us, or is he kind of going to be anointed as the Hollywood Oscar Academy muse? And uh, I'm not quite sure if it's going to be good enough to get there, but if it is um, how they're going to handle Bradley Cooper. I think it's gonna be fascinating. Like, will he be in a Leo category where we're going to be screaming for him to get an Oscar eventually? Mm-hmm. Or is it, uh, yeah. is it going to kind of get it right away? I'm not quite sure. Yeah. He's, he was snubbed for best director for a star is born. Uh, and, and best actor. He, yeah, so he got nominated stupid. for best actor, but yeah, but didn't win. Yeah. It didn't yeah. win best actor. He, so he should have that year. Who won that year? Um, was that a, I think it was, was that the Rami Malek year? Oh yeah, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, yeah, that's not great. So yeah, unfortunate, but um, yeah, uh, 
this movie is being produced by Scorsese and Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be a, <laughs> a huge, yeah, huge <laughs> production. And it does kind of feel like Cooper is like next in line for that, like massive, like actor director figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's been nominated like one, two, three, four, nominated like nine times for, for Oscars and hasn't won yet. So, so it doesn't feel like it's like, uh, it's, it's his time. Give him his Oscar yet, but mm-hmm. he's been nominated a lot. Um, so it almost feels like this movie is like too in the Oscar zone, like with yeah, the right. subject and the mm-hmm. kind of the prestige nature of it. But I remember watching the trailer for a star is born and thinking like, this is, this will either be the worst movie ever or the best movie ever. And right. I, it was way closer to the best movie ever. I didn't, sure. I didn't feel that way about the maestro trailer. It's a very different movie. Yeah. I haven't um, watched it, yet. but, but Cooper is, he's got my attention of course. So sure. I, I'll get, I'll go eight as well mm-hmm. on my hype level. All right, last one in this category is Ferrari. Uh, this coming out to, this coming out on Christmas, December twenty fifth. This is uh, Michael Mann's um, bio, biopic about Enzo Ferrari. Um, uh, Adam Driver's playing the man Ferrari, and Penelope Cruz playing his wife, and Shailene Woodley is in this. Um, Patrick Dempsey. Uh, this is Michael Mann. He's back. Uh, first movie since Black Hat. So it's been seven years since Michael Mann has made a feature film. It's been way too long. So uh, are you ready for, for Michael Mann and Ferrari? I'm ready, man. This one's uh, this one's at a nine for me. Um, yeah, same. It's, it's, Let's go. Michael Mann, when he hits right, he's uh, one of the best things Hollywood's produced in uh, the last 50 years, I would say. And he's, he's definitely all over the place. He's not... He's not quite as variant as Ridley Scott. He's more consistent than Ridley Scott, but um, there are some times where you're just like, uh, Michael Mann just kind of misses uh, Public Enemies. Um, yeah. Are you a part of the Miami Vice Hive or are you uh, uh, considered I that a I kind of am. I okay. kind of am. I I'm, I'm, wouldn't call myself a leading member, like a leading, uh, like I wouldn't, I'm not the president of the fan club, but I'm, right. I think I would say I'm in the, I'm in the fan club. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I think it's fun and, uh, I think a little bit overstated by the people who love it, but it, it, it's a good movie. But um, Ferrari, I would say when this movie was announced that it was coming out, it kind of seemed in like almost distribution limbo for a while. It was kind of seemingly finished for a while. Just no one was really mm-hmm. wanting to release it for whatever reason. Um, but it slowly uh, crept up my list more and more of anticipation. And it supplanted itself this week when uh, Adam Driver was at, some festival and some journalist asked him, he's like, uh, the, the car crashes in this seem a little bit, uh, cheesy. How do you respond, Adam? And Adam just goes, well, I respond, fuck you. (laughs) It was, had me cheering in my house. I was so pumped. It was incredible. Just so much, just the guy clearly hates doing press in general. And I'd never seen him fully lose it yet. He normally just, he just normally, uh, dodges things, questions like that, or just makes fun of it. And he just went full in on this guy really quickly. And I thought that was incredible. So uh, if that's driver the driver had done one too many press junkets that day, probably one too many <laughs> interviews sure. that day. He was like, I'm just over it. I'm over it right now. And it was a horrible question. Like it wasn't even a question. He was that, just like, that's, yeah, that's not even a question. <laughs> it was, it was so insane. So uh, I was so happy to see that. And kind of if the persona of Michael Mann is accurate, it kind of seems like Adam driver, uh, took some of that personality away where he's just like, doesn't give any fucks anymore. And I am all here for that 
version of Adam Driver if he kind of just yeah. almost loosens up a little bit and becomes more confident in the limelight. I I, I could see that being his persona. And uh, yeah, by, by the looks of it, this seems kind of in uh, a little bit of cheesy territory maybe, but it it's, it's going to be magnetic and visceral because Michael Mann knows how to uh, kind of hit all the different senses when I'm watching one of his movies. Oh yeah. Uh, Michael Mann and, and Adam Driver are a pretty good pair and mm-hmm. Adam Driver just continue, t- continuing to check off the great directors from right. his, from his personal list. Like he just keeps going through them. Um, but I, but I, I love the two of them pairing up Penelope Cruz. Her performance has gotten a lot, some buzz, nice. a lot of good, good reviews for her performance. So mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm a nine as well. I'm very excited for this movie. Um, okay. So that is auteur biopics. And the last category is best picture hopefuls. Uh, we have three here that are hoping they can get into the best picture uh, race. And we'll see if they do. Uh, first one is uh, called poor things on uh, December 8th is when this is, will be in theaters. This is the latest movie from Yorgos Lanthimos who's did the lobster. Um, uh, his most recent one was the favorite, which uh, got a ton of Oscar uh, nominations um, and he's reteaming with Emma Stone. Uh, she's the lead in this. Mark Ruffalo and and Willem Dafoe are, are playing supporting roles. So another great cast. Um, this one seems way more out there than than the favorites. So I'm interested to see how much the Academy goes for it and how much audiences respond to it. Uh, it seems like it's sort of like a... I'm, I'm trying to stay away from details about the story because I want to be surprised by the movie. But it seems like it's somewhat of Frankenstein-ish story um but the buzz on this thing is very very positive people have been praising this thing to the to the rafters so far and especially about emma stone so um how how, how about you how, how how hyped are you for this one i'm i'm at a nine uh okay. yorgos is all over the place generally with uh how i like his movies um, i thought the favorite was my favorite of his uh, I find that movie just so insanely rewatchable in a weird, weird fucked up way. And uh, I kind of yeah. clicked into what a lot of people latch onto. Like, I don't love the lobster. Uh, like, I, I want to revisit that one. Cause I think that might've been my first exposure to him. And it was really interesting. I, I, I just, so I just funny. couldn't fully get on board uh, with the second half of that movie. Mainly. I thought the first half was pretty uh, magnificent, but uh, and then Killing of the Sacred Deer, I was understandably so put off by that movie. Um, it's 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 super fucked up, and like his many of his <laughs> other movies too. So and he's kind of seemingly found a good with the lobster, the favorite, and now poor things a really good handle on weaving in and out of that weird aesthetic that he has. Um, and I also love that Emma Stone seems to be just kind of in her in her mean girl era, like the curse seems pretty, uh, hmm. uh, what's, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but just scathing almost. Um, mm-hmm. and they're just like with the making fun of promo, like she's just, she's kind of in a fuck it type mode and it poor things kind of, it seems to be in that, in that same lane. And it's just not a trajectory for Emma stone that I really ever thought was going to be a part of her career, but I'm so happy that it is. Cause she's, she's our best living one of her best living actors right now. She's so, if she wins another Oscar, like she's kind of on that, 
Oh, that would be wild. Next yeah. next trajectory of just best American actors of all time. It's it's really interesting to see her land here because yeah, I I didn't expect it, even though I've always loved her. I've always loved her too, but you see her in in like you know when I saw her in Superbad, I wasn't like this is going to be a multiple Oscar winner, <laughs> right. um, but she's clearly just like a very fearless performer, and she mm-hmm. like is interested in doing like expanding you know what she can do what you know what she uh, takes on so um she's kind of a perfect match for lanthimos as as proven by the favorite but mm-hmm. uh yeah i think i'm probably a nine for this one as well just because i was already excited because i i really like yoros lanthimos's movies uh his his style of comedy just really makes me laugh and <laughs> i mean it makes you laugh and it makes you think i think that's kind of the the magic trick of, of his movies and um but yeah, the early buzz on this is so strong that, that mm-hmm. I think I'll go a, a nine uh, hype level as well. So, all right. Second one in this category is um, American Fiction. This is out December 15th um, in theaters. And this is a kind of seems like a comedy drama about um, Jeffrey Wright plays a, a novelist who um, I'm trying to find the log line for the movie here or the synopsis for the movie here. Basically, I've seen the trailer like 50 times now because of <laughs> it's running in front of all the movies that I've been seeing in theaters. But right. um, it's basically he's a he's a black novelist who, you know, writes very good books, but they don't get a lot of popularity. And then he he kind of jokingly writes a, a very, quote unquote, black novel that takes off. And uh, this is really great cast in this one. Um, Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Ellis Ross, Issa Rae, Sterling K. Brown. Um more of an uh, an up and comer is the writer director Cord Jefferson. Mm-hmm. He's worked on some TV um, and kind of has been lauded for his writing and TV. But I think I believe this is his first feature, so would be pretty pretty impressive if it was if it didn't end up getting nominated for best picture. Um, but uh, this this actually won the audience prize at the Toronto Film Festival, which is you know a pretty pretty good prize to to win if you're if you're trying to make it into the Oscar race. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about American fiction? Yeah, I'm at, I'm at about a seven, I would say. Um, I think the trailer aspect you mentioning that just it's playing before everything. I'm like, all right, I get the mm-hmm. feel of it. Like I, I'm just ready to see it. And un, like, yeah. kind of unfairly has tempered my expectation a little bit. Um, but pretty consistently, this trailer at least gets huge laughs and uh, could hopefully like the holdovers seemingly have a decent performance at the box office maybe. Um, and just if Jeffrey Wright ends up running away with the Oscar for this one, I'd be so happy. There's not many actors that have like the approval rating that I have for him mm-hmm. in my head. Uh, just one of those industry guys, almost like maybe like JK Simmons or out of nowhere, you're like, Oh, he's in the Oscar conversation and he might be a lock. to win at some point, um, just yeah, industry guy has been in everything, and over the last few years, like Wes Anderson picking him up, uh, yep. kind of seemingly out of nowhere. I don't think he before the French Dispatch he had appeared in a Wes Anderson. I could be wrong about that, but um, he was in Asteroid City I don't again, think so. and uh, yeah. yeah, just was uh, was Alfred and no, not not Alfred, uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon, Gordon in, in the in, in the Batman, in the Batman yeah. movie, which was uh, one of the highlight highlights of that movie, the relationship that Batman and commissioner Gordon had in that. So um, yeah, overall just really excited for him. And I think this movie will land, uh, but the, the trailer fatigue that I'm getting is 
taking me down a couple of points again, unfairly, but it's kind of, it's where I'm at right now. I feel you. Yeah. And the trailer, I've seen it too many times now, but it, it does have like kind of a conventional feel like right. when it comes to like how it's cut and the story, how the story is laid out. So I'm, I just want to see the movie now and kind of make up my mind about, about how I feel about the movie. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Jeffrey Wright, I think is, I think you're right. I think people would be happy if he's kind of finally celebrated. He's kind of just needed the right part to, to kind of break through in the For awards sure. conversation. And I think we'll all be looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'm a I'll go an eight for American mm-hmm. Fiction. I think uh, I'm I'm very very curious about it. All right, last movie we're talking about today is uh, also coming out on December fifteenth in theaters. This is called The Zone of Interest. Um, this is kind of a, a historical drama um, uh, from a novel um, about a uh, an Auschwitz commandant who's. Uh, him and his wife are, uh, you know, kind of going, living their life, going about their daily business while kind of running the Auschwitz concentration camp. So as you can tell, very heavy subject matter. Um, uh, this movie was widely celebrated out of, out of Cannes this year. Um, huge acclaim for this movie and, and its performances and, and particularly the directing by uh, Jonathan Glazer, who uh, made Under the Skin. Um, which we talk about on our, on our sci-fi 20th, mm-hmm. 21st century sci-fi movies episode. It was, it was, I think we ranked it second or third. Yeah. Uh, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Total. Um, so, but it hasn't made a movie since then. So it's mm-hmm. been like 10 years since Glazer has, has had a film. So uh, people have been waiting for him to come back. And this seems like one that will be just based on how the raves out of, out of can about this thing. It seems like it'll be, one that people are going to be talking about. So how are you you feeling about zone of interest? Yeah, I'm at, I'm at a, I'm at an eight, uh, really loved under the skin as we talked about. And, um, but there's always going to be, this one doesn't feel like, like a war movie necessarily. It's obviously taking place during world war two. Um, but whenever a director decides to go into this territory, I'm always skeptical um, uh, war movies generally have to have a certain tone of uh, awareness to um, yeah I'm just always afraid it's gonna land one way or the other uh, it's like a yeah I'm not quite exactly sure why I'm always hesitant with war movies but um, they just don't always land with me and the ones that I like the most are sometimes the most scathing looks at war and uh, I don't need it to be too sentimental but um and I, I don't think Jonathan Glazer that's, is that type of director, but it, the tagline that I'm reading is uh, a commandant, a commandant of Auschwitz, uh, Rudolf Hose and his wife Hedwig strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. Um, I'm just like, all right, like we're really going to be in the uh, kind of daily life of uh, of Nazis, and that's yeah, we are. <laughs> it's a uh, kind of hard to wrap my head around of how he's going to portray that. Um, and, uh, I imagine there's gonna be plenty of moments of, uh, kind of relating to these, to this family and all of that. So, uh, it's going to be challenging for sure. Kind of maybe in a way like killers of the flower moon is where you're just like, all right, we're, we're telling this story. So, uh, let's see if you can hit the right notes with it. And we're, yeah, we're in uh, deep with the killers right now. Exactly. Um, you know, so bad I'm, guys, yeah, I'm really interested to see, uh, where Glazer lands it. 
but I am really excited because I think it's probably the early front runner at this point. Um, maybe maybe Oppenheimer is is uh, just ahead of it, but the Zone of Interest definitely has a chance to to win the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's up there for sure. I think a lot of people are expecting it to be um, a lot of nominations for it, uh, or a lot of major nominations. Um, yeah, uh, Glazer. I think um, I wish he has made more movies, but mm-hmm. you know the movies he has made under the under the skin. I just actually watched his first movie uh, the other night, uh, which came out in two thousand. It's called Sexy Beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've um, never seen it. It's like a, awesome. yeah. it's like a British cr- gangster crime flick that like. Uh, it's got uh, Ben Kingsley and Ray Winstone and um, Ian McShane. And it's just like kind of a, kind of a weird movie that like feels like, you know, where it's going. It feels like it's a conventional crime movie. And then it kind of has some odd turns. Um, Very interesting movie, um, especially for a first, first feature. But yeah. So sounds like a lot like, uh, it sounds like a lot like Jonathan Glazer's maybe John Wick. Is that how you're describing it? (laughs) Oh gosh! Oh man, I, I I didn't see that coming. <laughs> you, you brought it back to the beginning of the podcast. I love it. Uh, that's that's prof- that's really professional podcasting right there. <laughs> Thank Bring you it full it. circle. Um, Jonathan Glazer's John Wick. Wow. Okay, so that that's the zone of interest. Um, it, the final one in our best picture hopefuls category. So I think we just did sixteen, maybe fifteen movies there. Uh, that are coming out between Thanksgiving and, and the end of 2023. So um, a lot to look forward to, a lot coming up. Um, hopefully you guys can find something interesting in there to, to go see in theaters or, or to catch on on, on a streaming service. But um, yeah, uh, any any final thoughts, Bill, before we we wrap this up? No, this this year is kind of proving to be pretty, pretty great so far. Um, and I think... Uh, Outside of our big budget movies, uh, I don't think any of those are going to land into kind of iconic uh, territory. But all of these smaller yeah. movies, uh, I think a decent amount of them are going to be in the consciousness for a while. So I'm really excited. It really interesting time for movies with a lot of things being pushed, but the things that have stayed around seem to still be high quality. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, when I when, at the beginning of the podcast, I think I was saying like. I don't know about the end of this year. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. quite as great as I was hoping, but then going through it, like we were both giving a lot of these movies eight and nine on our, right. on our hype, hype level. So I think we're, I think we are pretty excited for some of these. So high hopes. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we'll, we'll close it out there. Uh, please subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, do you like apples.substack.com? Uh, we're recommending movies over there. So straight to your inbox, totally free. Uh, every Friday, you'll see uh, an email with some movie recommendations from us. You can follow us on social media, Instagram and X at you like underscore apples. Uh, please like, rate, and review, and subscribe on your podcast platform to the Do You Like Apples podcast. Thanks to Ryan Jenkins for the theme music. And please stay tuned for uh, more Do You Like Apples podcasts and newsletters coming up. Um, like we said, there's exciting new movies. Um, we got some fun things planned for, you know, upcoming and then you know potentially next year so um don't go away thanks for listening peace out guys do you like apples do you like apples